Hi, this is Alana Terry, and you are listening to the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. I'm really glad you joined us for Season 4. We are streaming daily chapters from full-length Christian fiction audiobooks just for you. And the sponsor for this season of the Unabridged Podcast is Blessing on the Run, which is also the audiobook you're going to listen to. So if you would like to listen to the entire audiobook at once, you can go to alanaterry.com slash blessing to get your free audiobook copy, or you can tune in right now for today's chapter of Blessing on the Run. Chapter 25 Three blocks later, I see the old billboard where I'm supposed to make a left. It's hard to describe how I feel. I guess I thought by now I'd be more afraid, but there's something fierce in me, the mama bear that's been awakened. Jared better not have laid a finger on my boy, not if he wants to live to see the sunset this Christmas. I follow the instructions I got from Damien, my heart's pounding but not with fear. It's like I've just finished an intense workout, except I'm not tired. I'm high on adrenaline, adrenaline and the certainty that my son is nearby. I'll see him soon. There's a car ahead. Is that where I'm supposed to go? I realize now that the directions didn't say. Did Damien forget to tell me the last part? The door to the car opens, I hear someone calling for me. Mommy! The baby I'm pregnant with jumps a little. I'm going to take that movement of life as a sign from God that everything's going to be okay. Didn't that happen in the Bible, too? Some baby dancing in his mother's womb, and that's how she knew Jesus would be the Savior or something like that? Don't ask me the details, but I'm pretty sure it's in there. Part of the Christmas story, right? There's Tyson, just twenty or thirty feet ahead of me. I could collapse from relief to see that he's on his own two feet. It's all okay. Everything is going to be fine. I want to run toward him, but I slow myself down. All those action movies have taught me there's a ceremony to these kinds of trade-offs, if that's what you can call this, since I have no idea what I'm going to be expected to offer in exchange for my son. Whatever the deal is, I'll take it. I've already decided. If Jared wants me to tell him every single piece of information I have about the bank, the security system, the worker schedules, the safes, the lockup procedures, I'll give him everything. Let the police deal with him later. Just as long as I get my son back now just as long as Tyson doesn't get hurt. You okay, baby? I call out to my boy, and he nods, but there's no smile on his face, like he's not really seeing me. There's Jared, his hand on my son's shoulder. I give him a nod. In this type of situation, I know he wants me to show him respect. I'm glad you called me, I say. I didn't call you, Jared spits, and my son flinches when he curses at me. It's okay, baby, I want to tell him. Trust me, that man has called me far worse. You gonna let me have my son? Jared shrugs. 
I want to talk to you first. Can we talk a little closer? I shout. He takes several steps forward, his hand still on Tyson's shoulder. As they come toward me, I can see how tight his grip is on my boy. Tyson's just a few feet away now. If I reach out my fingers and he does the same, we could touch. But neither of us make a move. Good boy. He knows to let Jared feel like he's in control. I told you that kid was smart. You sure you're okay? I ask Tyson again. And he nods without expression. Shut up. Jared snarls at me, so I wait for him to be the next to talk. He glances around. Is he making sure I came alone, or does he have backup hidden in those buildings that loom so tall around us? Do I even want to know? I blink, count my breaths. Instead of fear or even ferocity, everything now is a haze. All my thoughts are floating in a mist, a mist that won't clear until Tyson is safe with me, and we're far from the North End, far from his father, and speeding home to celebrate Christmas with my folks. Did you hear that, God? That's all I want. It's not so much to ask. Jared clears his throat. Haven't hurt the boy, he says, and I thank him politely, like he's done me some huge favor. Then again, he has. I'm so relieved to see my baby safe, I don't care what Jared's done in the past or what he's planning to do in the future. Just give me my boy and let me take him home. He's actually a pretty tough kid, Jared says almost appreciatively. I glance at my son, whose expression hasn't changed. That's my boy. I don't want him to get a big head. Don't want him thinking that the praise of monsters like his dad is anything worth feeling proud about. My eyes are still on Jared's hand, the one that's squeezing my son's shoulder. What do you want? I finally ask. He takes a step forward. I try my hardest not to flinch. Nothing, he answers. Just hoping we could talk. I try to sound casual. I'm listening so talk. He frowns like he's hurt. Come on, babe, why you gotta be like that? Why you gotta be so cold? You kidnapped my son, I remind him. Jared chuckles. That was nothing. Kid and I were bonding. Little father-son time never hurt nobody. So he knows. I glance at Tyson to see his reaction. He doesn't look surprised. Did Jared already tell him? I want to know what my baby thinks, but it's like he's shut down. Not that I can blame him. If I were able to turn off my brain and just get through these next few minutes without feeling a single thing, don't you think I would? You had your father-son time, I say. Now he's coming home with me to spend Christmas with his family. Jared winces. I've said the wrong thing. I hold my breath, wondering if he'll explode or not. This is the part I hated most when I was with him. The uncertainty, the waiting, like the night I stayed up until three in the morning until he fell asleep so I could raise the blinds in the corner room like that cop asked me to. They were in the house three seconds later. 
Dominic hadn't been kidding when he said they'd be patient. It's like they were two feet away from the front door all night long until Jared went to sleep. It was another one of those moments that felt more surreal than frightening. I have no idea how accurate my guess is, but with as loud as they were shouting and as fast as they moved, it was like there were two dozen men in SWAT uniforms. They came to the front door, the back door, the upstairs fire escape. The girls started screaming, running around all over, but I was frozen in place. Frozen in place when the men stormed Jared's room. I was right there with him. I remember looking for Dominic, but with the men in their full gear, how would I have known which was him? Jared didn't fight back. They came in full protective gear with guns and assault rifles, but the cops didn't fire a single shot. Most likely, Jared knew how pointless it would be to resist. Maybe he put his confidence in his lawyers or in what he hoped was the state's inability to prove his guilt. For whatever reason, he didn't fight back, and the worst part was we'd actually had a really good evening together before that. Just him and me which is why I regretted helping the cops in the first place. Not that they needed me. I'm sure they could have gotten one of the other sister wives to tell them where he slept or alert them when he went to bed. But now I would have to live with the knowledge that it was me. Me, the one who'd been with Jared the longest, the one he still promised to buy a house for in Hawaii, just the two of us. So Jared didn't resist when they came in, but I did. One of the SWAT men was acting too rough when he put the cuffs on. I could tell Jared was in pain, and I tried to push the cop away. He threw me back against the wall, and that's when another man called out, Don't hurt her. She's the one who let us in. Maybe it was Dominic, maybe not. And like I said, all those helmets and things, impossible to know. But as soon as he said that, Jared looked at me with so much hurt and sadness in his eyes, which is why to this day I get a little choked up at the story of Jesus looking at Peter after he denies him those three times. I'm sorry. I wanted to shout the words, but that would only prove my guilt even more. What had I been thinking? I should have warned Jared away, not let his attackers write to him. Struck with regret and remorse, I tried to prove my loyalty to my pimp the only way I knew how. I attacked the two policemen closest to him, including the one who'd told his partner not to hurt me. Of course, when I was put on trial and charged with accessory to prostitution— and the exploitation of minors, my behavior the night of Jared's arrest sealed my case against me. I shouldn't complain, really. It could have been a lot worse. Prison was a much-needed reprieve from my time in the stable and on the streets. True story. I was locked up with one of my sister-wives, and we grew even closer during that time. Not that I'd ever want to repeat those eighteen months— but as I look at my son and the way his father's got his hand on his shoulder, I realize I'm willing to serve time again if it means protecting Tyson. 
I can always count on my mom and dad to take my kid in if I get locked up. Always. Jared leans down and tells my boy, You stand right here, and don't even think of running or I'll shoot your mom, got it? Tyson nods obediently. I don't see any gun, but I know Jared well enough to know he's carrying. Don't be stupid, boy, I want to tell my son. Just give Mommy a few more minutes, and this will all be over. I hope. Jared is right up against me now, his whole body trying to lean against mine. My inclination is to step away, but the more I back up, the farther I get from my kid. So I hold my breath, try not to show the disgust on my face, and wait for whatever's about to happen. I got a little proposal for you. Jared's voice is low, the same tone he used to sweet-talk me with so many years ago. I will myself not to fall victim to his dizzying charm. I swear I'm a recovering addict, not just from the drugs and the alcohol, but from him. How else can you explain how many times I went back to him, even after we both got out of jail? What do you want? I'm disappointed that my voice quivers. I hope he doesn't think I'm afraid. He's like one of those wild animals. You can't let him sense your weakness. What do I want? He repeats, so close his breath tickles my ear. I'll give you one guess. My whole body tenses when he kisses my neck. Every muscle wants to push him away, but he's dangerous and armed, and my kid is just a few feet away from us. Come on, I tell him. Not here. I'm trying to calculate our survival chances if I grab Tyson's hand and run. How far would we get before Jared or one of his men gunned us down? Ten feet? Fifteen? I wonder if that old myth about running in a zigzag really makes you harder to shoot. Maybe if it were only me, I'd risk it, but I'm not about to put my son in that sort of danger, no matter what. I squeeze my eyes shut and remind myself that whatever Jared wants me to do, it's no worse than what's happened in the past. I'm not new to this game. And maybe if I keep my head on, if I don't freak out or shut down, I'll find a way to get me and my boy out of here safe. His arm is around my waist. I seriously don't know what he expects to happen with my kid right here watching, but I'm not going to make any assumptions. Come on, I whisper, trying to sound compliant but firm at the same time. Let's go somewhere else. But you haven't even heard my proposal. I wonder how long I can stall him. But what would be the point? There's no help coming. It's just me and Tyson. Me and Tyson against Jared, his gun, and whoever he's hidden in the buildings around us. Or maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe he's alone. If I could figure out where he's got the weapon. I let my arms slip around his waist. That's my girl. I don't have to like what I'm doing. I just have to keep from barfing or gagging or turning into the kind of romantic puddle I used to whenever Jared got like this. 
I remind myself of all the legal convictions against him, all his crimes against minors, including my own kid. Thank God Tyson doesn't look physically hurt, but how long's it going to take him to recover from the trauma of being stolen out of his bed in the middle of the night? Jared is a monster. I repeat the words to myself, desperate to ward off the lightheadedness I've started to feel at his touch. I told you I'm an addict, didn't I? You don't know how long I've waited to do this. His hands roam, and even when his touch turns painful, I realize there's part of me that's missed him. You've gained weight, he says. He doesn't know about the pregnancy, at least I assume he doesn't, but the reminder that I have someone else's child in my womb snaps me out of whatever haze I've fallen into, like the alcoholic who's about to jump off the wagon only to discover her drinks mixed with bleach. I snatch these few moments of clarity, unable to guess when the mental fog might return. I run my hands up and down his back and chest, hoping that my frisking is taken for passionate enthusiasm. He leans in to kiss me, and that's when I feel the gun. Tyson, get down, I shout, and pull the weapon out of its holster. Problem is, I've never shot a gun in my life. I squeeze the trigger, but nothing happens except for Jared punching me in the jaw. I stumble to the ground and the weapon flies out of my hand. Tyson's on his stomach and I scurry to cover his body with my own, ready to sacrifice myself so the bullets don't reach him. Jared's got the gun back. He's pointing it at us, so I crouch down even lower, praying to God that my body is thick enough to stop the bullets before they hit my son. The crack of gunfire. My ears start to ring even before my mind registers the pain. I try to apologize to Tyson, tell him how much I love him, but I can't speak. Another shot. I beg God to accept me into his kingdom in spite of all the terrible things I've done. Ask him to at least let my son grow up to live a long and happy life. And then I wait, wondering if I'm going to feel myself die or if I'll just wake up blissfully in heaven. Chapter 26 Something isn't right. I'm not dead. I don't even think I'm hurt. Is this one of those things where I'm shot, but my adrenaline's rushing so hard I don't even know it? Does that really happen, or is that another one of those myths? I hear shouting but it's like I'm listening through water. Someone's leaning over me. At first I think it's Jared wondering if he's killed me yet, but I don't feel afraid. Just cautiously curious. Like, what just happened to me? My son is stiff as a glass beer bottle beneath me. Did the bullet pass me and go straight into him? I don't know what's going on. It's okay. You can get up now. The hands that hold me are gentle, and before my brain can splice together all the different things happening, I'm being held against someone's chest, and he's stroking my hair, telling me how much he loves me. 
Except I know it's not Jared because my body's not reacting in fear. There's nothing about this embrace that feels dangerous. It's familiar, like home. Damien? Shh, he whispers. I know that there's nothing Jared would want more than to kill us both with one shot, so I try to pull him down to safety. You don't have to worry anymore. He nods toward the pavement where my ex-boyfriend's body is lying in a puddle of blood. Detective Drisclay's scowling as he feels Jared's neck. Drisclay stands up, gives Jared a little kick with his shoe, and mumbles into his radio. He got him? I ask. Damien's burying his cheek against my hair. Yeah, he got him. How'd he get here? Damien shrugs. I called, went over to the store across the street and used their phone. It's so much to take in all at once. Where's my baby? He's here, Damien says. And I realize Tyson's between us. We're squeezing him so tight it's a miracle he can still breathe. You okay, baby? I ask. He doesn't respond. I kneel down and face him, feeling him all over. You hurt? He shakes his head. Poor kid's probably had the scare of his life, Damien says. I hold Tyson close and promise myself that starting right now, I'm going to stop being so impatient with my kid, so angry when he gets into problems in school. I'll be thankful for him every day, annoying and aggravating as he can be. So help me God. Drisclay's holding his notebook in his hand. It's the first time I've seen him without a cup of coffee. Want to tell me what happened? He asks. Damien clears his throat pulls me and Tyson close to him again. Give us just a minute, detective. We're celebrating a Christmas miracle. Alana Terry here. I hope you enjoyed today's installment of Blessing on the Run. Please don't forget that you can listen to the entire audiobook of Blessing on the Run when you purchase it from Audible or wherever it is that you like to listen to digital audiobooks, or you can go to alanaterry.com blessing to download your free copy. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.